Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Surefire Local. Over 50,000 people have listened to Mark's podcast series specifically for home improvement businesses. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's designed to help you take your business to the next level. Uh, I try to take different topics that, quite frankly, are thought-provoking and relevant and topics that you can actually, you know, kind of reflect and drill into, but also develop strategies and even tactics from as you want to zero in and work on your business. This podcast series is supported by the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, NERI, as well as Professional Remodeler Magazine, and and put together certainly by my friends at Surefire Local, a leading digital marketing platform. Uh, Today, I want to talk about a topic that is very, very relevant today. And quite frankly, when you listen to this podcast, you might even be a little bit behind the curve in terms of, you know, what's happening because it's being recorded early part of March. Um, And then six months from now, hopefully it'll become irrelevant. But I do think there is some really, really important lessons here. And the whole focus of this message today is that this is the time to lead. This is the time for leaders to step up and lead. Now, needless to say, I think most of you have gotten into this business. You have a passion for the projects, for the clients, for design. You weren't necessarily trained in terms of being a great leader. And some of you made it through and have become better and able to grow the business. And others, quite frankly, are still working on and struggling with this. But what I have found over the years is that there are times that you have the parts and pieces in place and you need to just kind of let them go and let them, li- let, let them uh, move on in the normal course and let your people do what they're trained and what they're competent and what they're able to do. And then there's times, quite frankly, that it gets a little bit stormy and it gets a little bit crazy and a little bit wacky out there. And I think this is one of those times. With uh, everything going on, certainly with at a hundred foot level the 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 political situation, the economy going kind of up and go, down, and not the least of which, which is really what I want to get into, is this issue of the virus out there. Uh, it is really time, I think, more than ever, for you to take kind of a leadership position. You know, it's been said that you know good managers really are very good at managing projects where great leaders get people to follow them. So the difference between leadership management oftentimes is really wrapped around the people itself. And I think with everything that's going on out there today, there's a tremendous amount of distractions and those distractions are creating a lot of fear, a lot of confusion, and a lot of concerns for certainly your people and for your, for your clients as well. You know, many years ago, I actually had a very tragic accident and one of our key team members was tragically killed. And as a result of that, there was a tremendous amount of emotions that were 
floating around, certainly within the business as it, as it related to this situation. So as a result, I brought in a grievance counselor, and this grievance counselor shared something that has since been an important kind of leadership lesson, certainly for me, that I want to share and convey with you. One of the things that was especially frustrating to me at the time was how many people were processing this death, this situation, very, very differently. Some of the people were disappearing. Some of the people were uh, actually wanting to talk about it and share kind of memories. Other people wanted to, you know, quite frankly, just not even make it a important kind of emotional or intellectual kind of discussion at all, wanted to just kind of move on and ignore it. And I found that uh, there were a lot of people that were processing and kind of suffering from this in different ways. But as a result of that, it really, I think, caused some people to be a little bit judgmental of how other people were looking at this particular death. And one of the things the grievance counselor said that relates, I think, to this virus and what's happening out there is don't judge others on how they are processing death. You know, death is a very personal thing. How someone processes it, they run it through their own filters, and there's not necessarily a right or wrong way how they process it, but try not to judge them. And that really hit a chord for me because I could all of a sudden separate myself from kind of the situation in the person. The person is who they are, but how they're processing things is really a very personal thing. Now, the reason I bring this up in the context of the virus out there is that I think I see a lot of the same characteristics in that many people are out there processing what's going on in many, in different ways. Some people are very, very nervous and fearful and quite frankly want to just kind of crawl back underneath their bed and, and, and hide. Other people want to take kind of just the reverse approach. They want to kind of uh, ignore it and, and, and say life goes on and life's too short and I can't be caught up in this. You know, other people are want to focus on the data. So they're focused and kind of obsessed with the data out there so that they can make their own kind of correct solutions and they want to be discussing kind of the latest and greatest data of what's going on as it relates to this. I'm not saying what the right or wrong way is, but I'm saying people are fearful. People are spending tremendous amount of energy, and certainly we see it in companies making big decisions when it comes to shutting down travel or shutting down meetings or working from home and doing those kind of things. So I'm going to give you at least some insights in terms of some tips of how I would encourage you to weave kind of this topic in, because this is a time to lead. What your people do want, they may be confused with what's going on out there, but what your people, what your team does want is they do want leadership. They do want confidence. They do want vision. They do want direction. They don't necessarily need your answers to things, but they do want that. So the following are just a few thoughts that I've jotted down in terms of if I were in a position like you in terms of kind of what would I do with my team? What would I do with my clients in terms of what's going on? So number one is stay proactively informed, but don't get obsessed. The last thing I think you need or your team needs is for you to be obsessed with this situation. 
And I'm not saying that's easy not to get obsessed. It's going to take some self-control not to, but try not to get obsessed. Try to be proactive in terms of being informed of what's going on, ear to the ground, but not being obsessed. Number two is you may want to pump the brakes a little bit here in terms of your 2020 plan and be a little bit more conservative than what you thought you would be. I'm not saying jam on the brakes. I'm saying pump the brakes. There's a lot of unknowns that are happening out there fairly quickly. So you might want to go back and look at some of those expenditures and some of those decisions and some of those targets in a little bit more conservative fashion if, in fact, you want to be. So that if, in fact, this turns out to be something bigger, you're at least positioned a little bit better. If this turns out to be something less, then fine, then push the accelerator back down again and you're going to come out ahead. But what you don't want to do is position yourself and be a little bit naive about what's going on out there and end up falling short. Number three is bring your team together and share your thoughts. Now, your thoughts should be much more in the spirit of, look, you don't know what's going on out there. You don't have a crystal ball. You're not a psychic in terms of what's going on. But what you do know at the end of the day is your commitment to the business, your commitment to them, your commitment to health and safety. And those core values are what I think you need to really communicate more than ever, more than anything else. And it's really about your commitment to being a strong leader and being connected and aligned certainly with them. Number four on my list was Create kind of a work environment to let the team in the business operate and be sensitive to all the anxiousness and nervousness. You know, if you are relatively rigid in terms of hours and workplace and all that, you may want to kind of step that down for the next two or three months. I'm not saying how long this might last. What I am saying is your people will perceive how you approach the situation. That's where the memories will come more so than what decisions that you make. So I think part of that is, in fact, allowing them the personal decisions that they can make based on their own fear, their own anxiousness, and how they're approaching things. The next one on my list is that you might want to think a little bit more proactively on doing workarounds, workarounds in terms of meetings, workarounds in terms of travel, workarounds in terms of you know, teleconferences, uh, conference calls, those kind of things. So maybe thinking about now, how do I functionally get 80, 90% of what I would normally accomplish uh, in doing it in ways that are a little bit safer and a little bit more flexible? Uh, There's a lot of workarounds that you can do. You just map out 30 days in advance and what all those workarounds might be. And I think you're going to be more successful as a result of it. Um, The next thing I have on here is uh, to uh, kind of create the right kind of messaging and communication to your clients. Again, they want to hear what you are thinking and doing in this situation, and you've got to make sure that you keep them in mind because that end ultimate stakeholder being your client, you know, the last thing that they want is just to have you disappear on them and just kind of leave them at lurch. So you've got to be, I think, proactively communicate. They've got to know what's going on. And at the end of the day, you've got to put them, I think, right up there along with yourself and certainly your team. 
Uh, number seven on my list was try to get creative here. You know, I think that creativity is, is this is where I think the better companies happen. They get creative, they get innovative in terms of how to approach certain things. And quite frankly, not that we take a tragedy and kind of turn it into something positive, but oftentimes that's where cool things are born is out of more difficult and tragic situations. So I think the more that you can think out of the box with your team, what can we do differently? How can we approach this differently? Uh, How can we reduce some of the anxiety and fears on the client's part? How do we have even some techniques that are a little bit healthier in terms of how we're doing construction? I think the more creative that you can be, you can start to see more of a positive that comes out of what is a negative situation. Uh, Next one is certainly be a role model for health and safety, but at the same time, don't be an alarmist. You know, you want to go overboard, I think, being healthy and being safe, safe and being careful as you interact. Uh, Again, people are going to watch you just as much as uh, have their own personal perspective on things. And I would say as a leader, you've got to be kind of a role model, even if it's not necessarily you caught up in all the fears and anxieties, I think it's important that you are a role model for health and safety. Um, proactively outline how and when you will make decisions and communicate. Uh, the big fear here is the fear of the unknown. So I think with your leadership team or even with yourself, you know, mapping out, okay, in, at the end of the week, I'm going to give kind of a people of uh, uh, update on this any changes that'll come up as a result of new information that's out there. And in two weeks, we'll be doing this. But start to be proactive in terms of how you're going to communicate so people at least will know that there are some drop-dead dates in terms of when things need to happen and how they're going to happen and what's going to change based on the information that's out there. And then lastly on my list, which is not necessarily bigger or smaller, but it's, it is important. And that is, I think a leader really needs to be present. Uh, this is not a time for you to just throw yourself into the pack and say, you know, I'm out of here. I'm going to escape. I'm going to not be part of kind of the day-to-days of what's happening. You know, you need to kind of be on the ship. The people need to see you kind of in battle here just as much as they need to see certainly themselves. And I think the more presence that you have, the more that you're listening, your ear to the ground, you're spending literally more time doing walk-arounds and listening to people, not less time than certainly in normal circumstances. And I think that in itself will go a long way with extending, I think, that notion of the, the leadership. So, you know, in closing, just to close on this topic, and, and, and certainly I'm not an alarmist. I don't want anybody to feel more anxious or more fearful about what's going on than anyone else. But what I am saying, this is an opportunity to lead. And I think the memories that are going to come out of this when it comes to your team, how you approach this, how your leadership team approaches this, that's going to be really significant. And I think if you can treat this with the right degree of importance, I think you're going to really see the long-term dividends, because I'm sure we'll get through this uh, and they will pay out big time, I think, for you and your team and your clients in the future. So again, I want to thank everybody for listening. We have a great interview coming up, so stay tuned and I'll be back to you here shortly. I want to thank everybody for listening to Remodeling Mastery. 
But just as much, I want to thank those that support this particular series. Now, first and foremost, I want to encourage you not just to listen, but to subscribe. And for those people that subscribe to this podcast or actually reach out to my producers, Surefire, a leading digital marketing organization, you'll actually receive a copy of one of my books that will help you take your business to the next level. This podcast series is actually supported by Professional Remodeler. Professional Remodeler is committed to help you understand and crack the code on your business. So I encourage you to try to spend the time reading the magazine and reach out to them and be a little bit more of a voice in the industry. I also encourage you to get involved, get engaged. The National Association of Remodeling Industry, NERI, is a wonderful organization that I've been involved with with most of my career and actually had so many opportunities as a result of that. And lastly, certainly, reach out to my friends at Surefire Local that will be able to help you with your business. Welcome back to Remodeling Mastery. I'm your host, Mark Richardson. And today in this special segment, we have Erica Taylor. She is the director of content for Professional Remodeler Magazine and certainly a industry thought leader. Uh, we bring on these thought leaders to not only just kind of give you a chance to reflect and think about what's happening out there, but also add some little insights and tidbits that may either validate what you're thinking about or give you a different perspective. So, Erica, welcome to uh, Remodeling Mastery. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. So let's, you know, we've, we've certainly got this routine down in our uh, conversations. Uh, I always like uh, your opportunity to kind of share a few of your insights and perspectives. And, uh, you know, so, you know, you are out there, you talk to a tremendous number of remodelers, you see what's going on with the distribution and manufacturing community, uh, certainly have your ear to the ground. So what are some of the trends or some of the insights or some of the things you're seeing out in the industry today? Well, a big trend I'm seeing is um, increased consolidation and private equity activity on the home improvement side, so the replacement side of the market. And that has been happening for a little while. It's certainly heating up. We're hearing about it more and more. But what I'm seeing that's interesting that's sort of becoming a byproduct of that is there is an increasing consciousness on the part of smaller home improvement companies that this is happening, this is on the horizon, and they really need to sort of think about how they're going to combat um, the potential dominance of a much larger company coming into their market and having a lot of really sophisticated marketing outlets that they may not have at their disposal. So I see so that. Think, I see that changing. So okay. you think it, from their perspective, it's more how do they position to combat it or are they going to get gobbled up and maybe acquired by some of these bigger players? Yes, I, I think that both things are true. I think that it's small. A lot of these companies are smaller and it would be perhaps not as likely that they're going to get acquired. I do think you need a, a sort of a tipping point of the amount of revenue you have before a private equity company is really going to look at you. Um, but there's a lot of them. 
and they are thinking, oh, you know, this is this is new, you know, and we're, we're, we're hearing about it more. We're professional remodeler is covering it a lot because it's really heated up quite a bit in the last couple of years, last 18 months. So it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a trend to keep an eye on. It's going to have a ripple effect throughout the whole industry, no doubt. Excellent. Well, we certainly see it happening, and some of the bigger ones are getting much bigger. And the investment community, I think, for the first time, have realized that, you know, home improvement is, is a good place to be. So uh, we'll keep our eye out on what's happening out there, but I think that's, a, that's an excellent one to highlight. What's, what's your second one today? So I think that in marketing in general, outside of the remodeling community, we have seen a trend in the past few years toward like this greater authenticity and businesses kind of trying to humanize themselves, even some very, very large corporations that we don't usually think of as being quote unquote human are, are kind of trying to do that. I'm seeing it more in the, I'm seeing more and more remodelers kind of putting themselves front and center where they're trying to build an emotional connection with a homeowner based on their sort of presentation of themselves and their company. Um, a great example that I saw that you actually turned me on to, Mark, not long ago is Westchester Design Build. They are doing videos that are so cool and interesting and innovative and professional and puts them in a very, very positive light, and they're using their own personalities, their own sort of charisma and charm and authentic way of being to create an emotional connection with that homeowner. And it is, it is working. It's really, um, I think it, that is going to be a future trend in marketing in our industry that we're going to see more and more of as well. Well, you know, I think what you're, you're saying that's so interesting is that so many businesses out there have worked so hard in kind of generic ways of building the brand, focus on, you know, the quality of service and certainly their processes. However, this notion of having a personality and authenticity that oftentimes, you know, is demonstrated through, you know, the, the, the founders, the owners, uh, is at the end of the day what oftentimes is the thing that can differentiate you. So I think encourage you to kind of look at not only Westchester's uh, website and take a look at that, but also I think it, it, it's uh, something to think about when it comes to some of the social media. So what, what, what's number three on your list today? So number three is, you know, we've been hearing about this like gray tsunami for a long time that people are going to start retiring and, you know, there's a labor shortage and who's going to take their place. And absolutely it's happening. But what I'm seeing that's interesting is that it's, it, I, there are people that actually are retiring that have been talking about it for a little while. A number of remodelers that I know personally are retiring or are actively setting the clock of when they're going to retire. And the younger people that are coming up, um, to me, I've noticed are a little bit different than the preceding generation of people that came into this field. Not only are we seeing increases, not surprisingly, in kind of a digital mindset, but I'm also seeing a lot of engagement. I was just, parenthetically, I was at the International Roofing Show not long ago, and just the number of young tradespeople on the floor, on that show floor, 
that were interacting with the products and interacting with the education and were very um, sort of inspired, asking a lot of questions, really tapped in, um, using technology. It, w it was good to see. And I think that, um, yes, we have a labor shortage, but as this older generation exits in ever-increasing numbers, the younger people coming in are going to remake the industry in exciting ways, and I'm starting to see that happen. Excellent. Yeah, I am also seeing that as well. And I think the number of people that are, quite frankly, more proactively getting that timeline out there, generally I encourage, you know, you want to know three to five years ahead of when that's going to happen so you can start to, you know, really focus on your bench and focus on that transition of what that might look like. And uh, I very much concur with you that it's happening kind of, quite frankly, inevitably, just because of the aging popu population, but it is kind of refreshing to see that new generation is coming in and approaching the business differently. So, Erica, I just want to thank you so much for joining Remodeling Mastery today. I encourage those that really want to take their game to the next level to certainly read Professional Remodeler or go to certainly the website and gain some of the different knowledge that you can get from the different articles and insights. So thank you so much for joining me today. Great to be here. Thank you, Mark. Take care. You too. If you liked what you've heard, take a moment to subscribe to Remodeling Mastery on your phone using your favorite podcast app. It's available on all the major apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Go ahead and post in the comments what you learned and any questions you have for Mark, and he may answer them on an upcoming episode. Thank you again for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson.